0: I want to preach to you today about the tragic mixture. In other words, there are things that seem to be right in our world, but they're constantly constantly being redefined. And this toxic mixture is something that is becoming status quo. I remember five years ago that You know, who would have ever thought that our children would be told that what they were born with is not who they really are. Tragic mixture of truth, evidence, and the desire of man. I want to take this passage of Scripture out of Malachi The fourth chapter, verse 5 and 6. It is a story about the prophetic coming of Elijah. The prophetic coming of Elijah takes place in the person of one, John the Baptist. Elijah's first appearance, really he doesn't even have, he's not even told he has a mother and father. He just shows up on the scene, kind of a weird guy, thinks he's the only guy, the only prophet in all of Israel. And that's what some of us live like or feel like while we are standing in the midst of people that seem to be educated, seem to be skilled, or people that used to serve the Lord, people that used to be knowledgeable of certain things that we stand there and we almost find ourselves being swayed by the overflow of opinion. Not by fact, by overflow. Now, I was raised a long time ago. I'm 70 years old. I'll be 71 in about two or three weeks. And uh, But when I was born, they didn't give a psychological evaluations to find out what we were they held you up and uh, smacked you on the bottom when they turned you around they viewed the parts that you had and they declared you as a boy or a girl now that's old school i i understand and i i do understand that you know we're, we're beyond that and yesterday is not relevant for the mindset of today but i want you to understand what Is the mindset of today and where did it come from certainly man did not come up with these thoughts on their own with all types of evidence staring them in the face they deny it and declare some other scientific philosophical truth that trumps God So I want to talk to you about this tragic mixture. There's only one way it can be stopped. Malachi, the fourth chapter, verse 5, Behold, I will send you. This is God prophetically declaring the coming of John the Baptist. And it says, Send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great, And dreadful day of the Lord in other words God is going to do something through this prophet Elijah in the symbolic stance of John the Baptist coming and he's going to do something and he wants to do it before an appointed time because there is an appointed time when you and I whether we like it whether we believe it whether we don't agree with listen pay attention to me God is going to take out every man and every woman. They are going to stand before Him individually and give an account of the things that they have wrought in this life to the good or to the evil. He is not going to hear your stories about, but I was on drugs in those days. Uh, you, you know, I was married, I was insane, I don't know what I was doing. Uh, you know, God, I, I had two in-laws living with me. How could you think I could ever hear anything? God's not going to listen to those. And I don't say this to scare you, but this is reality. Sometimes we, we think, what is the relevance? The relevance is that there is a day appointed that every man shall give an account of himself before God. You can't change that. doesn't matter what color you are. doesn't matter... If you're perfect like me or short like Eric. I, I don't know. It, it is not going to change. You're going to have to deal with it because the evidence is staring you right in the face. And then it says this, and he shall turn. Somebody say there is hope. He's going to turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. Least I come and smite the earth with a curse I'm talking to you today about a tragic mixture here Malachi reveals to us one of the very basic purposes why humanity goes awry because men do not relate to their children and their children do not relate to their parents it doesn't matter what we try to do to make children our friends they are not created to be your friend they were created to be your child you have been created to be their parent well i I want to be my son's bud he doesn't need another bud get him a dog name him buddy do something but he's got buds all over the world some of them are knucklehead buddies some of them are great buddies Some of them are girl buddies. Some of them are are wrong buddies, wicked buddies, evil buddies. But you are not called to be a buddy. You are called to be a parent, one that keeps things in right balance so there is a day that is coming that your children will not fear the day of judgment before God. It's important that you and I, as parents, Take that cause seriously. Well, you know, I work so much. Then quit working so much. But we need the money. Sell what you bought. This is is not a game. Eternity is forever. And God is going to hold us accountable. Us, mere mortals. Us accountable. But he doesn't leave us without order or instruction. His word is like a lamp unto our path. It is a light for our feet we don't have to wonder what is right and wrong we just have to adhere to what is right and wrong I hear this all the time well that might be right for you right for me okay well what makes it wrong for you well I don't like it I heard that from my grand, my daughter when she was seven I educated her out of that sometimes by fear sometimes by threat and sometimes by bribery but she made it through now we have to be careful that we don't allow the opinions of people people to overwhelm the voice of faith amen Amen. now as we come here There is a time on our earth. I never thought I would be living in this time. I thought that those that prophesied and preached that the world would get more evil and more wicked, I thought they were just people hyped up on the Holy Ghost. I thought that guy had been smoking too many pages of the Bible to even know what is true. Where does he get that crazy stuff? Lo and behold, he got it from God. And now I am living in this time that I thought would never come. Whoever would have thought that people would not, in their basic common sense, choose the wealth of a child being aborted over $19 for a hungry dog. The Bible speaks very directly to people that abuse their animals but you are never to put creation above that which was made in the image of the Creator. See, we have accepted abortion. Well, that's just the way it is. But we are struggling to cause animals that will die and their soul will go right back to the earth from whence it came. We are struggling, fighting, And spending all of the $19 but 10% of that money goes to rescue those dogs and I don't make light of that it's a terrible tragedy but the tragedy of aborting children without a conscience is a terrible tragic mixture we've got to get beyond that amen now this picture of John the Baptist that is coming on the scene if I could have Matthew 3 1 on the screen please John the Baptist comes and they say he has come in the spirit of Elijah and he comes to do something and it says in in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness and saying repent for the kingdom of God is at hand For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Make it plain. And and the same John had his raiment of camels of hair, a leather girdle, and his loins, and his meat with locusts and wild honey. Wow. That must have been a golden corral. Now, moving right along. Then went out him to Jerusalem, and all of Judea and this region round about Jordan. And they were baptized in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from such a wrath to come? Even in our fellowships, our relationships, our associations there is a tragic mixture that we do not pay attention to and then it says bring forth therefore meat fruits met for repentance and think you not to say of yourselves we have abraham of our father i say unto you that god is able to make these stones to raise up children unto abraham and now also the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I don't want to put a big shake on you, but the fire is just another word for hell. I don't believe in hell, then you can't believe in heaven. If you don't believe in heaven, you can't believe in God. can't believe in God, then you are lost. And it says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is a mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? Fire. And then it says, whose fan is in his hand, and he will therefore purge the floor, gather his wheat into the garner, and there he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In other words, Jesus telling us that those that do not submit themselves to the cleansing process of the Holy Ghost are going to be those that are end up on the grain floor that are good for nothing but in eternal hell. And don't don't get scared. Don't get scared. So I want to talk to you about this ungodly mixture that we find ourselves surrounded by and quite honestly many of us, even as Christians, are being seduced into believing. Now, when Elijah first comes up on the scene, he comes up on the scenes in First Kings, the 18th, well, 17th chapter, but the 18th chapter is the one that we really focus on. Now, here comes Elijah. He's been out in the caves. Nobody really knows him, He's just somebody that staggered in out of the wilderness that's got an axe to grind with a woman called Jezebel. Well, he goes into there, and the reason that he has this axe to grind is because she has been the perpetrator of a mixture of truth and error. When you hear about Jezebel in Revelation 2.20, it says that Jesus said, but you have in the midst of you the doctrine of Jezebel. The doctrine of Jezebel is a doctrine that declares that there are certain truths and principles in the Bible that should be adhered to, but they're only selected to be obeyed and adhered to by those that have introduced the doctrine. And the doctrine is filled with error because it has so many things that appease the lust of the flesh. So Jezebel is really not, well, there's a Jezebel spirit in our church. Might be you. That's not true. There's not a Jezebel spirit. Oh, but I I heard so-and-so preach it. That's why we have the Bible to make sure that what he's preaching is right and what he's preaching is wrong. And so you just have to look at the Bible and it says, now the doctrine of Jezebel was instituted in the church and the reason that it was instituted in the church was to get the church to have a tragic mixture so that there was nothing that was absolute. So we just stumbled in every area of life not knowing what was acceptable to God and what was not. But then Elijah shows up. And I mean, this guy thinks way out. And he says, hey guys, look, you say that you uh, worship this God of Baal that Jezebel, you know, supports and she feeds you for doing it. So I'm going to give you a challenge. Why don't you call upon all the gods of Baal because there were multiple of them. Why not you call upon whatever God there is in this Baal, in this Baal plurality of demons and untruth and error. Call upon any of them. So he gets 50 prophets there. And they slay oxen, and he says, you know, do whatever you want to do, and they start a fire, and they try to call down some form of visitation from one of the gods of Baal. Well, lo and behold, nothing happens. So they take a break, they come back from lunch, they get so desperate, they're cutting themselves in order to get some type of response that the God that they're serving is real. Guess what? The gods of Baal and of Jezebel and of mixtures of truth and error do not exist. There is the God and the Father of all lights, And there is a God and the Father of all lives. And there are only two gods. You're going to serve the God of eternity or you're going to serve the God of eternal damnation. One is God, Jehovah, who sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he loved you so much. But then there is the God of this world called Satan, the devil. And he comes to destroy you. He comes to deceive you, to lead you off the path, to get you to thinking things that are not real are real. And so Elijah comes in and he says, I tell you what, this is what I'm going to do. I want you to fill these trenches up with water, put these oxen up on that altar that's been broken down for years because of your neglect, and I want you to pour water Upon all of these sacrifices and all this wood, that's pretty radical, but he has them do it seven times. Like, when is enough? And then he says this, whatever God responds by fire, he will be the God that we serve. Well, lo and behold, Elijah lifts his hands to the God of truth, and he says, God, I did this, at your command at your bidding now god answer by fire and i don't know if you ever seen a hungry flame or a thirsty flame seeking water to drink but that's what came out of heaven and it came out and it consumed the sacrifice all the wood and licked up all of the water and of course the story is is that that day people chose who they would serve. Now, God wants to do something in our life here today. Many of you might have been the descendants of those that were worshiping Baal. And you watched the altars that God put into your life when you were in Sunday school. When you went to vacation Bible school and made the flower pots out of tomato cans and... uh, put the little toilet thing up on the top and you taped it down and then you covered it with all plaster. Maybe you remember the story of the ark in vacation Bible school. Maybe you remember the story of God giving his only begotten son and hanging on a cross. But whatever you heard then, you have let become covered with dust. And you have accepted other belief systems Into your life and you have discovered that there is no life in all of that ungodly system that you allowed people to build in your life terrible place to be the first thing that has to be done is this it can only be cleansed by fire by fire remember John the Baptist said this I baptize you with water to your repentance, but when you repent and receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Ghost is going to come, he's going to transform you, but then he's going to be followed by fire that will sanctify you. Somebody say fire. We don't have to be afraid of it. All we have to do is allow it to cleanse us, to sanctify us, and count nothing more valuable than the end work of God in our life. Fire comes to purge us. Fire comes to purify us. Fire comes to separate us from evil. Fire comes to mark us or to tattoo us as the people of God. See, living right is weird today. You know that? You ever had somebody come up to you in a, rest, a restaurant and say, you know, you offend me when you pray in front of my kids like this. You mean you don't believe in God? No, I don't. Say, well, I want to pray one more prayer. God saved this man's kids because he's going to hell. He ain't never going to make it. <laughs> no, I wouldn't encourage you to do that. But now what happens is when these Tragic mixtures come in, and the fire of God is not allowed to have access to what we think is important. And the, the tragedy about today's society is we believe anything without any evidence. Do you know that? We believe any. Hey, just go to a what, a... what is that thing? The Internet go to the internet do aliens really exist yes am i one of them take this test there are a lot of things weird on the internet do you know that people will believe the internet more than they will believe the bible I've had people tell me, "Well, I studied on the internet and I found out there is no hell." I said, "You're kidding." He said, "No, no. Me and my wife found that out. We believe, and since we don't believe in hell, we don't think we can come to this church." I said, "Well, I, I agree, and because I want everybody in this church to go to heaven." Now, two years later, this principal and this other educator, his wife in the American education system wrote me a letter of apology. Please forgive us. We had no answers how to face the tragedy of our family not believing in God. And so we found something that appeased us, and we used it to attack you. But after further biblical study, we have found that whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. We discovered heaven is real, and so is hell. So that man and that woman repenting there, and I literally have a bunch of them in my desk. You'd be surprised what people attack you with then come to find out that they didn't even believe what they were attacking you for. But that is the problem with today's society. You can turn on any channel, flip to any internet, and find something that will make you the guru of truth. There's only one place of truth, and that is in the Bible. Go again, amen, absolutely. Now, unless God intervades and baptizes us, purifies, sanctifies us, then what we're going to do is we are going to be bound by those things that we have joined ourselves with. Because believe me, anything that the devil has brought into your life and interwoven with the truth that you have learned as a child or that you knew as an adult, he makes it so strong and he binds it so tight that even when you see truth, you cannot adhere to it. What can break such power? Only the sanctifying power of God. The Bible said that God turned them over to a retrobate mind. In other words, they had the truth, but they held it in unrighteousness. In other words, they said, Oh, we, we, we know the Bible is true, but God, God, we 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 know that, you know, uh Living together is wrong, but we're in love. God, we we, we know it's wrong to steal, but they don't pay us enough. God, we know this, we know this. You have the truth and you hold it in unrighteousness. You know under the sound of my voice today, every one of you knows who is right, what is right, yet you hold it in a secret place in your heart thinking that, just knowing it is enough. It is not enough. Amen. You have to continue in the truth to really be free. Amen. The Bible says he turned them over to a retrobate mind. What does that mean? A mind without God? No. doesn't mean that at all. It means a part of your mind that God has said, if you've resisted me, rejected me, then I will allow it to be yours. And he will not speak to you or convict you in those certain areas, except you turn at a place and have sincere repentance and you say, God, I repent. I turn from my wickedness. Return me to the path of righteousness that I can do what is right in your eyes and not in my own eyes. And when you do that, the fire of God comes and it cleanses you and it sanctifies you. And you end up being as clear, as purified, and as clean as the altar that the fire of God visited in the life of Elijah. Do you remember when you were a sinner and you got purged and forgiven by God of your sins? how clean you felt, like a world that had just been rained on, a world that you had never seen evil in. It felt like the presence of a newborn child. Many of us have lost that. You know, we try to recapture it when we take it through the car wash, a new car smell. Well, I'll tell you what, I've I've smelled little babies that have been born about two weeks, and there ain't nothing new smelling about them. (laughs) They need a couple of those stickers. But you know what? We don't do anything with that. We, We lose the sense of that because we think it's not important. God renew in me a contrite heart. Restore into me God a right spirit This can only be done by the power of the Holy Ghost. It is not the work of a man. It is not the work of some church or religion. It is not even the work of your desire and your strength and your diligence. You do not contain these things in order to be touched by God. But God awaits us today just like He awaited Elijah. He's waiting for each and every one of us to call upon him and say, God, I don't know how it got in. I don't know how it gets in. We get weary. We get tired. We get offended. We get put out. We we get everything. Desires want to overtake us. We want to use the money that we think that we've made for what we think is right. Pretty soon, our families are our problems. Our wives are our problems. Our job is our problem. Everything's the problem except what you have allowed in. And there's nothing that can cleanse you from sin, from the deadness of a life that has not been responding to God, the loneliness that you're now feeling, the emptiness that you've learned to live with. What can deal with that? If I had no hope but to have what I have now without God protecting me from what could happen, I, above all men, would be most fearful and miserable. Because without Him, I cannot. Without Him, I will not. And without him, I would not. Listen, you are here today, and the Elijah of your hour is speaking to you and calling to you. Oh, sinner, come home. You say, but I'm I'm not sleeping with women. Well, I understand that, but you've probably thought about one of them in the last two hours well, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. It doesn't mean that you're doing everything wrong. It means you've just done one thing wrong. You have forgotten to put Jesus first and let go of your reins and let him lead you and let him make you and let him transform you. Let him be all the source of all of your life. I'm going to pray a mass prayer today, and then I'm going to ask you to do something. Now, believe me, I have been here a thousand times. I've been serving God for 40 years, and and I will tell you right now, I've sinned over a thousand times. God, forgive me. I hate the man that does it, that lives with me, but I've done it. And I've had to ask God for his grace and mercy, fresh and new. And I stand here today to tell you, he's never said, I'm done with you. I'm through with you. I'm fed up with you. You're never going to make it. They told me before you were created, He's not going to do what needs to be done. He doesn't have it, but God put something in me and said, yes, he does. He has a tender spirit. He may be stupid, but at least he's honest. If he lies, give him enough time, he'll own up to it. He'll just tell on himself. Been here a thousand times. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe it's your 999th time. I'm here to tell you, God's not done with you. He's not weary of you, not disappointed in you, but his eyes are upon you. Stays awake all day, all night, never sleep, nor does he slumber one bit, keeping an eye upon you, speaking to you in the day times, in the night times, trying to woo you out of this tragic mixture of this world that has fell into evil and forgotten God. But you're in a safe zone today. You're in a zone that will love you and does love you as much as God does. Though we may fail loving you, we won't give up loving you. And we hope that you endure all of our failures so one day you will experience that love. Father, in the name of Jesus, all the humility that is in us, God, we stand before you as just bare people. You knowing all things, seeing all things, you are aware of all things, even the hidden sins of our hearts, the difficulties of our lives, and the wrestling of our enemies in and against us. I ask God that you would convict each and every one of us as people, as your children, the ones that you sent your son to die for. You've not given up on us, God. You saw us before we were born, and you called us to repentance, said, please, come and be my son and my daughter. Then God, for those today those that are weary, broken, discouraged, hating their self, self self-destructive, God, those that have addicted themselves trying to find a place of peace, God. God, those that think their call is gone, it's too late, it's past them, nothing for them to do but to die. God, I ask you, to meet us right here at this altar and to baptize us and to purify us, to cleanse us. God, to forge us with fire. That, God, we will be a new creature and that, God, we will walk in the ways that the Lord hath prepared for us. Now, God, meet us here as you're meeting every person wherever they are. I know, God, some will want to come, and they won't. And I know you, God, you just you won't forgive them. You won't give up on them. You won't do anything. You just want to keep going after them. But, God, today is a day that we can all change. If you are here today... And you just say, God, I need to just get rid of things in my life and I need to establish the standard of truth. That, God, I need to live in it, walk in it, not forsake it, that I might be free, that I might live for Jesus Christ. God, renew their plans and their purposes. Renew their passions and their fires. Renew, God, their zeal. Open up their ears afresh. Put eyes salve upon them, God. Touch their minds and knock on the doors of their hearts, Father. And come in, God, and sup with us. Oh, God, once again. If you're here today and you have never accepted or you have accepted and you have just boldly walked away from Jesus, he's right here. Just like he was there in the Jordan, With John the Baptist, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, saying, God has kept the door open. Children, come home. Come home. Come home. Don't stay lost. Come home. This is a moment for you, this is a moment for God. This is a moment for reconciliation. This is a moment for sanctification. Renew, let the fires of revival be rekindled. Stay passionate with our God. In Jesus' name, the fire is falling. The words of the Lord are true. Now is your time, and now is his time.